You are now listening to the Motown Sports Talk Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jordan and Jimmy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Jordan, and this is Jimmy. He is a board-certified family doctor from the University of Michigan Medical School. And now we just wanted to give a couple of reminders for today that we are still hosting a fantasy football league. I know we've said this a million times, but we did open it up because we had a few more people who were interested. So there is still, I think, three or four more slots available. If anyone is interested in joining, we'll retweet that link out so you can go ahead and join. And also, we are going to be doing a live show for the opening night of the season, which will be Thursday, September 10th, when the Super Bowl champ Chiefs take on the Houston Texans to open the season. And again, we're not going to be able to actually stream the game. We're just going to be watching it off screen and kind of discussing it and answering fan questions if people want to interact with us at all. So just kind of trying something new. Thought we'd get out there and just get a little bit of Q&A, try and interact with the fans a little bit more. So... And we're probably just going to be streaming it right off our YouTube page, so it'll be easy to find. Well, again, we'll just tweet out the links for once that happens, if anyone's interested. Now we'll start getting into the good stuff. And it seems like every week, right before we come on air, there is some type of breaking news that comes out. And this morning, that breaking news is that the Minnesota Vikings have traded for Yannick Ngakwe from the Jaguars for a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 conditional fifth-round pick. And a lot of Lions fans were hoping that we could snag him up, but I'm not really too upset about it. I mean, I'm just more upset that we're going to have to play him twice a year now. So, Jimmy, what do you think about the Vikings inquiring in Gakwe? Yeah, what struck me was the amount of compensation that the Jags got for Ngakwe. Mm-hmm. A second and a fifth. The fifth could turn to a fourth if he becomes a pro bowler, or even a third if they make the Super Bowl. So more likely a fourth or fifth. Mm-hmm. That's a lot less compensation than they were expecting. Just in the past mm. few years, we've seen Jalen Ramsey, Laramie Tungsil, and Cleo Mack all go for two number ones. Even Stefan Diggs went for a number one. Mm. So what I take is this is the risk you take as a player by going scorched earth on social media against the owner and the team. He kills his market for a lot of teams. Like the Lions, who are not into that kind of thing, are out of the market for Ngakwe. So you only have one or two teams left, maybe, who are willing to take on that kind of a player. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to get as much trade value back. This also hurts Yannick Ngakwe. He had to take a 4 to $5 million pay cut on the franchise tag to go to Minnesota. He had to agree to that. So that hurt him, too. So this is a warning for all players out there be careful what you're doing on social media and just ripping your current team. You can kill your market for your services. Oh yeah. It's going to be real interesting to see how the Vikings handle this because the Vikings have almost no cap space remaining and he's going to play. Obviously he's going to have to play this year under his franchise tender, but following that are the Vikings actually going to be able to sign him to a long-term deal. It's exactly. That's a really good point because the Vikings gave up a decent amount of draft compensation they are under serious leverage from Ngakwe yep. to give him a huge deal. We saw what happened with Laramie Tungsil, who got $22 million a year as an offensive tackle, which is $4 million higher than the second highest offensive tackle, Lane Johnson, at $18 million. Yep. And Jalen Ramsey's going to break the bank because the Rams gave up two number ones for him. So the Vikings are going to have to overpay, give him an out 
of size market contract for Yannick Ngakwe. Otherwise, they'll have given up these two draft picks for one year of service. Yeah, exactly, which is completely not worth it. I mean, even though it is still only a second-round pick, but still, they gave up draft capital, and it's they brought in a player after they lost to Everson Griffin and um, another good another star player on defense. So they needed to bring in another veteran player who can actually help them bring that defense back to what it was. But again, I'm just upset that it's going to be against us twice a year now. So Yeah, it's going to hurt us this year, but I think every year after that, it's going to hurt the Vikings or be a wash at worst. Because again, they're going to have to pay him above market value. They could franchise tag him again next year, but the franchise tag number is going to be an extra 20% yeah. on top of this franchise tag. So it's an ugly situation and he might hold out next year if the Vikings don't give him what he wants. Mm-hmm. So it's an ugly situation for the Vikings going long-term. It's kind of similar to the Bears, honestly, with the whole Khalil Mack situation, because look at that. They are paying Khalil Mack so much money, which honestly, like I know they signed a couple people this offseason to big deals, which I have no idea how they did that. Somehow they worked those in. But um, yeah, still, they're kind of uh, reaping the percussions of that deal right now with the Khalil Mack, because look at who they have. They have almost nobody on offense. They have no good positional players, so... Yeah, there's that risk-reward with giving one guy an enormous amount of money. The Bears have that advantage of having Trubisky still on a rookie deal, so they're not paying their quarterbacks a whole lot of money right mm-hmm. now. Uh, one way in this this draft compensation ties into what's happened with the Lions recently is the Slay compensation actually looks pretty good now. We got a third and a fifth for him. Mm-hmm. Slay's 29 years old and Gakwe's only 25 years old. So getting a third and a fifth for Slay when you compare it to what Ngakwe got looks pretty good in retrospect. Yeah. yeah, no, I completely agree with you. All right. So we'll move on. And in other news, the Lions did decide to cancel practice earlier this week in order to bring attention to some social injustices going on around the country. And which if we really wanted to, we could sit and do an entire episode based on all of these issues and all this stuff. But we're just going to discuss the immediate impact it's going to have on the Lions and the NFL in general. And I just wanted to make that statement real quick that we do are not a political show. We are strictly a sports show. So we're not going to talk about anything going on and we're not going to give our opinions in any way we're just going to sit and talk sports basically the lions were the first of any major professional team to come together and make sort of a team statement about this whole situation and because of that there's been a lot of national media kind of commending the lions for their swift response to the situation and disgusting how events like this can kind of bring together a locker room and make them form a bond that is a little bit more unbreakable and that makes them encourage each other and want to play for one another a little bit more. So which in turns will make them a better team in the long run. So Jimmy, how do you think them coming together like this again, can help them become like a stronger team altogether? Yeah. As far as how this directly concerns the lions, canceling one practice is a Kong, but the pro is you potentially create a lot of solidarity. You create a bunch of players who like or love Patricia now mm-hmm. who might not have been all in in the past. Yep. And in football, that potentially can help a team. There's no way to know for sure. There's no multiverse where we can run two seasons side by side and see what happens. Mm-hmm. If the Lions go 10-6, maybe we look back and say, oh, yeah, that, that might have been a good thing for solidarity. Who knows for sure, but I don't think Hanson Wong practice makes much of a deal uh, going long term for the season. 
Yeah. I mean, I agree with you there, but I also agree with the point you made earlier that it kind of makes people and makes the team appreciate Matt Patricia a little bit more when if you look back in his first year, people were claiming he already lost the locker room. All the players didn't like him. None of the players wanted to play for Patricia, where if you look at this year, again, that can kind of bring them together and make them want to play for their head coach a little bit more because of the support that he's showing towards some of his players and everything like that. Right. From all reports, it's been a night and day change from the first year that Mm -hmm. Patricia came in. Seems like everybody's on board with Patricia. Everybody likes him. Everybody's happy with him. Everybody wants to play for him. So that's a nice change to see Mm -hmm. from his first year. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Let's talk about how this affects the NFL in general. Mm -hmm. I got a bunch of things to say about this. Yeah. I think it's ironic that for the past few months, the main concern for this season was COVID and how that could derail the season. The NFL spent months and a ton of money doing a really good job getting prepped for COVID with contact tracing bracelets, revamping the entire locker room and facilities. They spent $75 million and probably counting to hire a private lab to test players daily. They came up with a whole new CBA, canceled preseason games, did all these things to try to prevent COVID from derailing the season. Well, at this point, it looks like a protest strike is more likely to derail the season than COVID. We saw how much praise, as you mentioned, the Lions got for being the first team to cancel practice and possibly starting this whole cancel sports trend. We saw the NBA postpone playoff games. The MLB and NHL also postpone games. Mm -hmm. Even the World Tennis Association postponed a tournament because Naomi Osaka went on a protest. So I can foresee... NFL teams tripping over themselves to be the first to cancel a game. A team might even try to raise that game and cancel two games to try to show how, how good they are uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of supporting the players. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson just this past week said on a radio show that he thought the team would have skipped a game if it was going to happen this week. So this is a realistic scenario now that a protest strike could disrupt the season. So the NFL needs to figure this out before the season starts. Mm -hmm. We saw a brand new CBA created just for COVID to protect the season, protect the players, protect the teams. Mm -hmm. Well, the NFL and the NFLPA, they need to go back to the bargaining table now to come up with another CBA Mm -hmm. to deal with possible protest strikes this season. Why? Because they got to answer these questions before the season starts. Here are the questions they need to answer. Mm -hmm. What if a team decides to skip a game? Lions are playing. They're hosting the Bears week one. What happens if the Lions decide to protest that game? Do the players get paid for the game? Does the game get forfeited? Do the Bears get a victory? Does the game get postponed? If it gets postponed, gets postponed to where it's not like the NBA where they're all in a bubble mm-hmm. and they can just redo the schedule however they want. Both teams would have to have the same bye week in order for that to even work. Or do you just cancel the game outright? What happens to the fans who bought tickets, who paid for hotel rooms, drove a long way, spent a bunch of money to come see the game. What happens to those fans? Are you going to repay the fans, all their expenses? 
does the NFL do what the NBA did, which is, okay, one team is protesting. We're just going to cancel all the games for that entire day. Yeah. Is that what the NFL is going to do? And just push the playoffs a week later. So the NFL needs to figure out what they're going to do if a team decides to go on a protest strike. And they need to figure that out now. Uh, my recommendation for the NFL, if I'm advising them, and uh, we don't have that many listeners, but I'm sure Roger Goodell is one of them. Uh, if a team goes on strike at any time, if they don't penalize the team, that creates a dangerous precedent because it allows any team to skip a game at any time for almost any reason. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Aaron Rodgers springs an ankle one week. He needs to miss the next week. What if the Packers just happen to go on strike that next week? <laughs> Are they going on strike because they're protesting something or it's because they don't want to play without Rodgers or a little bit of both? That's an ugly situation there and unfair. Mm -hmm. So I think the NFL needs to draw a hard line here. If a team wants to go on strike, fine. I mean, you can't put a gun to their heads and make them play. They can do that, but the players and coaches should not get paid, and the team should forfeit the game. I think that's just fair. Mm -hmm. But in order for this kind of thing to be palatable and acceptable to the public as well as the players and teams, the NFLPA needs to get on board with it and fully support that plan. This is why... I think they need to get to the bargaining table and figure out exactly what they're going to do if a team goes on a strike during the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, I completely agree. They definitely need to come up with some type of formal agreement that is going to be universal throughout the league that every team has to abide by. Because again, it's not as simple as the NBA or just other leagues where they can just move something back or switch a game here and there where the NFL obviously is on a very strict schedule with its 16 weeks. So every team, like you mentioned, every team is a certain bye week and all this stuff. So it's a lot harder to just rearrange games and do things like that than in other leagues. So we're just going to have to see, uh, hopefully they can come to some type of agreement. Um, well, one thing I, that's been a little bit sad about the whole, this whole thing is seeing multiple teams cancel practice as well as the NBA go on strike. It has tempered my optimism and enthusiasm for the coming season. I don't know about you, Jordan. This is the least enthused I've been for any NFL season in my entire life because <laughs> I'm not just not confident that the season's going to happen. And I don't want to see a whole bunch of political stuff while I'm watching sports. I haven't watched any NBA playoffs this year. This is the first year in my entire life that I remember that I have not watched the NBA playoffs and I'm not going to be watching. So it's just something for the NFL to think about going forward. Yeah. Again, I agree with you. Um, it's going to be weird to see going forward. I, I kind of disagree with you and my enthusiasm level with mine is honestly probably at an all time high not only because we're doing this podcast and this is the first year with the season, but also because of all of this, not just with the politics, but the COVID and all of this stuff. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the season's going to go on. And I guess, like you said, I'm not really sure on my optimistic level on how sure I am that the season's going to go on without any pauses or interruptions or anything like that. I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that, but I guess in terms of just my enthusiasm for the season, I'm really excited to see how everything's going to go. And again, like you said, we've mentioned in previous episodes when we were talking about players opting out, it's going to be interesting to see if 
again, if there starts to become some type of outbreak with COVID, if more players tend to opt out and halfway, midway through the season, how that's going to affect playoff runs. Like this season is just unlike any other season we've ever seen before. It, again, with uh, polit- the political aspect, the COVID aspect, the health, the opt out, it's just this NFL season is going to be crazy. And I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen with everything all combined into one. So you make a good point. It is crazy and it is going to be fascinating to see all this plays out. This is all so unprecedented. Mm-hmm. If they do come up with a third CBA, pretty sure that's <laughs> going to be a world record for number of CBAs signed by a sports league in one calendar year. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is insanity. What's going on. It's like, the craziest reality TV show, but a a lot of the issues are so serious Mm -hmm. and so depressing and so negative that that's what sports. We usually watch it to have fun. We want to get away and have fun and be able to cheer even trash talk Packer fans or bears fans. (laughs) That's all lighthearted, harmless stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of the stuff that's been happening lately has become so serious and real world and in some cases life or death Mm -hmm. yeah it's really sad again sports used to be an outlet to get away from all this stuff and now sports is just becoming as political and as serious as everything else in the world and it's not like some places we almost don't even have an outlet anymore because no matter where you turn whether it be social media or sports or I mean, in cer- even certain cases, some video games, it's like hard to get away from just the political right. and the whole world in general right now. It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm interested to see how the NFL does handle this this season. We've seen how the NBA handled it. Is the NFL going to go extreme with how they handle it? How, how are they going to handle this whole thing? And how is it going to affect TV ratings and affect hardcore fans like us? Mm-hmm. Last time we saw a hardcore dip in the supposed ratings was back in was it four years ago? I think when Colin Kaepernick started to do his protests, mm-hmm. and that was supposedly a dip in ratings. And they've uh, supposedly I don't follow ratings in the NFL too much, but supposedly they increased back up the last couple of years. And like you said, it's going to be right. interesting to see if they dip this year, if they increase this year, if they steady and stay the same as last year yeah it'll be interesting to follow that and speaking of covid moving on we've kind of turning this into a little bit of a segment we do every week but we're just kind of sort of recap how covid is still affecting the nfl and the lions and as of right now there's still only one player that is currently remaining on the nfl covid list um i'm not sure do you still know who that is jimmy that was one player i don't know who that is and i think it may have added a second player just in the past couple of days so there are very very few players on yeah the COVID list. and one thing we have to remember about the covid reserve list is you can test positive and not go on the list mm-hmm. kevin colbert the steelers gm confirmed this last week that a positive test does not immediately or automatically put you on the list Teams will try to hide you for two, three days, come up with an excuse while you're not at practice, try to get a couple negative tests done the next day and get you off the list quickly before having to release anything publicly. So don't Mm -hmm. take this COVID reserve list at face value. There are likely players testing positive that you are not hearing about. Yep. Yeah, I guarantee it. So there's probably way more. And if the NFL actually released or if the players or if anyone ever released how many players have tested positive, I'm sure it'd be way more than we actually thought. And right. again, for example, 
under the current policy, Stafford would not have gotten put on the list. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have even, even found out about the positive test. He would have missed a couple of days of practice for uh, a sore shoulder or something, and nobody would have known about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I'm sure teams have been manipulating this whole COVID list um, since it started. So and I'm sure they're going to manipulate it during the season, too, because speaking of that, I know the NFL also mentioned that they're going to try to avoid doing tests two days before games. So how exactly is the NFL going to be doing their testing involving game day? Yeah, Tom Pelissero reported this rumor that they're going to try to have their final test on a Friday before the game. That way, if there's any positive tests, they can try to get those negative tests on Saturday so the player can play on Sunday, Mm -hmm. according to the current protocol. The ideal situation, in my opinion, I've been saying this for a while, is to test players Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the Sunday games. Mm -hmm. For games on Thursday night or Monday nighters, you adjust the schedule. So Thursday night, the last test would be on Tuesday night. For Monday nighters, you could test Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. It's pretty easy to adjust the testing schedule for specific teams. Mm-hmm. And this is to avoid that game day chaos. This is to avoid players from missing games due to a COVID positive test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like- think the NFL has really two primary interests here regarding COVID. The first is to keep players as safe as possible. Mm-hmm which I think is actually a fairly easy priority for the NFL because the risk of any serious issue with a pro athlete from COVID is extremely low. I've yet to hear of a pro athlete in the entire world who had severe issues related to COVID. Mm-hmm. Even if every single NFL player got COVID during the season, the likelihood of a single one having severe symptoms would be very low. And I think the NFL to some degree or even to a large degree realizes this. Which brings us to the second priority they have, which is to keep the positive test count low or even hit them, which is good for optics and decreases the impact on games. Now, these two priorities are not necessarily opposing priorities, so they can work together. Uh, I, I think the NFL does not want positive tests. Positive tests make people worry. They make people question whether teams should even play football. It gives fuel to all the NFL critics out there, which there are a ton of. Yeah, they love to match the NFL. Uh, so the NFL wants to keep the positive test down. There are many ways that they can do it. We just mentioned a couple minutes ago that they don't necessarily announce a positive test right away or put a player on the COVID reserve list. They have that 90-day exemption now after a positive test, so you don't even need to test a guy for 90 days. You could test positive 10 times in those 90 days if they were testing them, but they're not even testing them. So it's a don't test, don't know policy, which I'm not disagreeing with. That's the CDC guidelines, which is perfectly fine. And I'm not uh, criticizing the NFL for any of these priorities. I think it's good Mm -hmm. to try to keep that positive test count low uh, to decrease the criticism of the NFL and to keep the games moving, keep the season moving. Yeah, Because as I said, the risk of a severe issue related to COVID is so low with these pro athletes. Yeah, exactly. And sort of stemming off of that statement, again, following last week's terrible false positive sort of epidemic that it all came from one testing lab. What kind of update can you give us on what sort of happened last week with that whole 
what was it? I think 40 some players had a false positive or something like that altogether. There are 77 positives. So this is the final recap. We finally got all the information out. Last podcast, it was breaking news. We didn't have all the information yet, but here's the final deal. One lab out of five had a spike in positives. There were 77 positives. They redid all the samples from the original test, apparently, and all the original samples came back negative on the subsequent test. Uh, also, future tests came back negative for those players as well. So this is one of the rare instances where I would be comfortable calling these tests false positives. It looks like it was due to some kind of lab error, and I would just throw out the results of these tests completely. These players should not be receiving the 90-day test exemption because these aren't positive tests or true positives. So that's the summary as far as the false positive scenario. And again, I want to say this is not what happened with the Matthew Stafford positive test. Yeah. It does not look like this was some kind of anomalous outbreak of positives. This was a positive test for one guy likely to be a true positive. It still could be a false positive. Sure. But there's no way to definitively say it's a false positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Dr. Sills again stated that it was likely a true positive. He likely had virus in his system. Mm -hmm. Hopefully this means that Stafford gets a 90 day test exemption. That would be good for us fans as well as any fantasy footballers who want to draft him. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And I'm not sure exactly if the NFL can come out and publicly, if they have to publicly state if he has a 90 day exemption or not. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't think they do, but where are the reporters asking these questions? I've yet to see a single reporter ask this question of anybody. I mean, come on, guys, get out there, ask the team is Stafford on a 90 day test exemption or not? Let's get this information. I think fans would like to know this. I agree. We need those hard hitting questions out there. So, (laughs) all right, cool. So we'll move on. And again, we'll sort of end our episode with a little bit of Lions training camp recap from last week. And as of right now, unfortunately, both Bo Scarborough and DeAndre Swift are still hurt. We are still, again, unsure on what exactly type of injuries they are. Um, Did you have anything to say about them, Jimmy? Yeah, it's getting a little concerning with DeAndre Swift. It doesn't seem to be a major injury, but it's been over a week now with maybe some upper leg injury. Mm -hmm. The main concern is the biggest issue for a rookie running back is learning the pass protection so you don't get your quarterback killed. Swift is going to be a big-time receiver for us. He's like a theoretic uh, 2.0. He's going to play a bunch of third downs. He needs to learn the pass protection, so that's the main concern here that's going to possibly limit the amount of playing time he gets early in the season. Yeah, exactly. We've seen it happen before with other running backs who got hurt early in training camp and then couldn't stay healthy throughout the season. So we just hope that doesn't happen with DeAndre Swift this year. And then all that bad luck with running backs over the past 20 years with injuries. Yeah, I know. Especially it seems like we always draft running back in the second round and no matter who it is, whether it's Amir Abdullah, carry on Johnson, uh, DeAndre. Javid Bass, late first round. We could go down a whole list. I go all the way back to Jonathan Stewart, who was our running back after Barry Sanders retired. Mm -hmm. He was a really good player. Maybe it was James Stewart. It was Stewart. Uh, But he hurt his shoulder 
in one of the final preseason games, which knocked him out for the rest of the year. Uh, it was just brutal. Just such bad luck as far as injuries for our running backs. Yeah, basically since Barry Sanders, the Lions have struggled to find a steady, consistent running back who can stay healthy. We've had, again, some good running backs in the before. Just it's can they stay consistently healthy and perform for right. a, a long amount of time. So then also Nick Williams has been looking really good, the former Bears defensive tackle. So and again, I was concerned when he first brought him over again. He did play really well last year for Chicago, but I was just concerned because that defensive line was really stacked. And I think he was getting uh, just single covered a lot. So he was able to get to the quarterback and kind of increase his numbers a little bit when Cleo Mack and some of the other guys are getting double teamed. But either way, everything that's been coming out of campus, he's been looking really good so far. What do you think about that, Jimmy? Yeah, I read a tweet, I think from it was from Chris Burke, that Nick Williams has been the most disruptive defensive tackle in camp. And I love to hear that we need a disruptive guy we need a guy who can put some pressure on the pocket and on the quarterback mm-hmm. yeah that again that we've talked about it in many episodes that was our biggest downfall last year was our ability to get to the quarterback and get just either pressure or sacks on the quarterback at all we could not get to get past that line of scrimmage at all so and i've heard that julian Aquara is looking pretty beastly out there uh, from a pass rushing standpoint so God, I hope that's true because we need an edge rusher. Trey Flowers is fine. He's not an elite edge rusher, though. So if we could get some speed rusher like Julian Aquara to get consistent pressure, that would make an enormous difference in the defense. Exactly. And even though you just said, like, even though Trey Flowers isn't that beast of a player, he's, as right now, he's our best defensive end. So he, again, as I just mentioned with Cleo Mack, is usually getting double teamed. If we can get even just a decent edge rusher off the other side to make take some of that pressure off him to where the offensive line has to account for at least both sides of the line, that can, again, it can help increase Trey Flowers and hopefully Julian Okora as well. So... And then also, it looks like Logan Stenberg has been our backup center because, as I'm not really sure, I don't think we have another center behind Frank Ragnow as of right now. So, uh, what do you think about Logan Stenberg so far and him possibly playing our backup center role? Yeah, I wonder if this was the plan from the beginning when they drafted him in the fourth round. Again, this entire draft has been about getting guys who can play immediately this year because the Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are on the hot seat. You throw in the whole COVID issue. Uh, They want guys who have a role immediately in their rookie year. So maybe this was their role for Logan Stenberg. They've been giving him the entire backup center snaps. And it'd be great if he could serve as a backup center slash offensive guard for us this year. Yeah, exactly. That'd be awesome. But I'm not sure. Did he play center in college at all, or was he mostly a guard? I don't know. Yeah, again, I haven't followed that too much. I haven't looked into it, but so he might have played co- or might have played center previously in college for a little bit and switched over. I'm not too sure. So I might already have experience in there. That's kind of like you said. That might have been their original plan on bringing him in and using him in that sort of way. So. But then also, as I'm sure a lot of people have been watching this offseason, TJ Hawkinson is looking pretty beastly as well in practice. He's been working out this offseason with who's George Kittle, correct? That he was working out with in the offseason. Yeah. yeah. His former teammate at Iowa. So, and he's been looking beastly all offseason. And now in, he's looking, apparently, according to reporters, he's looking just as good in practice. So that's a really good sign. What do you think about that? Yeah, working out with the Kittle is a good idea. That guy is amazing george kittle they both went to iowa also so they probably knew each other uh 
yeah, we need TJ to be great this year. Bob Quinn, as well as many people have said that going from the first year to the second year is when you see the biggest jump. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm really excited to see Hawkinson this year. I expect him to get a lot of pass receptions, be in that top two or top three as far as our right, wide receiver options. Yep. So it's going to be exciting to watch him this year. Yeah, exactly. We have a lot of a lot of tight ends in the room too. So it's going to be see, interesting to see if we do a lot of double tight end sets or how we're going to kind of utilize all those tight ends because we still have Jesse James. Yeah, we got Isaac Nada, yep. seventh round last year. Yeah, so there's it's a pretty deep tight end room in there as well. So we'll have to see what's going on there. Again, I'm assuming if they actually keep all of them on the team that we might be doing just a lot of double tight end sets this year. So And then also last note that we've got from training cramp is that kevin strong might be the third defensive tackle he's been with us for at least one year he's been under matt patricia so but hopefully he's looking a lot better in Corey underland's new defensive scheme which that is another quick note that came out just this morning they had a little press conference with Corey underland and supposedly as of right now it's come out that he will be calling the defensive plays so It'll be interesting to see if he kind of, again, brings more pressures or more type of different blitz packages instead of just rushing three every time like we were last year. So what do you think about Kevin Strong showing out in camp? Yeah, Kevin Strong might be the number three DT right now. He got 15% of defensive snaps last year, and we need some uh, depth on the defensive line. Yeah, for sure. Atkins. Uh, Austin Bryant is still out. Who knows what's going on with him? And we lost two of our starters from last year with snacks and a mm-hmm. So defensive tackle is a concerning position right now. Yeah, I agree. As, yeah. As far as Corey Unlung, AKA most interesting man in the world, AKA <laughs> Detroit lions defensive 2020 MVP. Good to hear that. He says he'll be calling the defense because we need him to make a big impact on the team this year. Patricia has not shown in the past couple of years that he's been creative enough, creative enough or adaptable enough to scheme a pass rush to c- confuse the quarterback. So I do want to hear Corey Unlin saying he's got an important role. So this was a good sign for me. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's going to be a big change from Paul Pascaloni last year, again, when he was almost never blitzing, never bringing any pressure. So as again, as we mentioned earlier, that was one of the biggest problems for our team last year was the ability to get to the quarterback. So hopefully Corey Underland can change that and make our defense a little bit more of a disruptive front than they have been in the past. Yeah. A couple other notes. So it looks like the last media available practice was yesterday, Saturday. We're doing this on Sunday. So we're not going to hear basically anything valuable from now until kickoff. (laughs) Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Mm -hmm. Another thing I heard was the bears are planning on keeping two kickers. Mm. Uh, Maybe that's because their kickers all suck, but it might be a good COVID strategy too. We talked about this before that if Prater goes down with COVID for a week or two, that's not enough time to bring another kicker necessarily because they have to go through the whole quarantine testing procedure, which might take three to five days. Mm-hmm. It might be a good idea to keep an uh, actual kicker on the practice squad just in case. Mm-hmm. And the last point was uh, talking about just the major injuries over training camp. It's been very minimal. 
I think that's positive news so far. I haven't heard a significant amount of major injuries across the NFL, and definitely not with the Lions. Jayshon Cornell with the Achilles tear is really about it. Typically, there's an outsized proportion of ACL tears, Achilles tears, which happen in training camp. So it's pretty nice that we haven't seen much of that so far. Part of that might be due to the fact that there's no preseason games. So it's possible we might see a delayed surge of these kind of tears occurring in the first week or two of the season. But so far, things are looking good from an injury standpoint. And the way the NFL handled the whole offseason, as well as the gradual ramp up acclimation period in their training camp, maybe that's had an impact and helped out. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it is surprising that there hasn't really been because a lot of people thought with them being off for so long and just kind of sitting around and no OTAs and all this stuff that a lot of players might not be in shape and might be out of football shape, as some people say. they So they would have had, again, as you mentioned, a more Achilles or ACL tear, stuff like that. But again, as you again, as you just mentioned, it could be attributed to no preseason games or just no uh, joint practices, because there's usually there's a lot of those in the offseason as well or in training camp as well. They do joint practices. And usually when they do that, they they hype up the energy a little bit more and they play a little bit tougher than they have been against their own teammates all offseason. So good point. So it could be attributed to that. But again, we'll like you said, we'll just have to wait and see. It might be a little bit delayed once we actually get into season. There might be first two to three weeks. There might be a huge amount of significant injuries happening so we'll just have to wait and see how it goes yeah cross our fingers there exactly so i wanted to ask you about the the big 10 season any Mm -hmm. thoughts about that there was a rumor that they might try to start the season on thanksgiving yeah i heard about that I'm not too, again, I haven't really been following it too much. That's pretty much all I heard. It would be really interesting to see if they somehow continue because we've mentioned before that they already made their schedule for just the Big Ten Conference and how they were going to play their games and who they were going to play, how it was going to go. So if they already have that and they can just somehow move those games forward a little bit from Thanksgiving on. But I do think it's going to be weird because normally it goes college football season. They have their little championships and then it kind of ends right before the Super Bowl and it kind of ties in with the playoffs and the NFL. And I know some fans kind of fight with the Washington NCAA or NFL. So I'm assuming they obviously would keep the same mostly on Saturday, NFL on Sunday. But still, it might uh, conflict with some fans' interest and some fans might decide to watch NCAA or care more about that and put more interest in that than they might in the NFL. So it just depends on different type of fans, I guess. But personally, I'm, I am I would like to see it. More football, the better, honestly, because I would love to see the Wolverines go on and do something big. I want to see Jim Harbaugh finally succeed in, Mich- um, in the University of Michigan. But I guess I'm more just concerned about the NFL going on about as a normal season. What do you think about it? Yeah, I just wonder, what is the Big Ten doing here? If they can play in November, I don't know why they can't start playing in September. Right. Uh, Starting the season in November means you're missing the college football playoff. So Ohio State, Michigan, whatever team wins the Big Ten, it's going to be too late for the college football playoff. Exactly. From a medical standpoint, there's a concern that you're playing – in the thick of cold flu season. Now there's a theory that COVID, the severity attenuates over the summer and early fall before the cold flu season. The COVID virus is a cold virus. It's the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So it's quite possible that the severity of 
COVID could increase as we get into cold flu season, which typically starts December or January time. Mm-hmm. So playing in that season might be a higher risk for the players than just getting started now in September. Yeah, I completely agree. It's really weird. And like you said, if they can start playing it in things during Thanksgiving in November, why can't they play three months earlier and get majority of their season? Cause what is, I think they're only doing eight games total, eight or nine games total yeah. for the season. I just don't know what the big 10 is doing here. I, I don't know if there's leadership if what they're scared of. I don't know what's going on. I saw that recently. The Nebraska parents have filed a lawsuit <laughs> to try to get the season restarted. And I I'm typically anti-lawsuit. I, I don't like the hyper litigious society we have, but one of the reasons the Big Ten might have canceled the season was fear of lawsuits. So one of the actionable ways to swing the pendulum back is actually to sue them if they don't play the season. Now the whole litigation issue balances itself out and becomes moot. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the actual way to take the whole litigiousness out of it if they're going to get sued either way. Right. Yeah, I think it's them just trying to please parents and please because players because i know everyone has kind of been starting that movement we want to play and all that stuff so it might just be them trying to look good in front of some of the other conferences that have already canceled but as far as i know obviously the sec is trying to do their own thing so there are still some other leagues that are playing but i'm like you said i'm not really sure what type of stance they're trying to pull here yeah and all the parents want some transparency and i would like to see that too why are they canceling what is going on who's making the decision is there a vote what is going on it's been over two weeks now since the Big Ten canceled their season. I thought something might have happened in the meantime, but nothing's happened yet. Yeah, I know. So maybe they will move it up. Maybe they just floated it out there to get the general kind of idea of the public, what they thought about it. Then maybe they might move it up if everyone agreed. Maybe right. that was just kind of a thought or something, but who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, it's disappointing. It is very disappointing. Um Again, more football, the better. So, Yeah, the, this whole season is feeling a little disappointing. So hopefully the NFL can save us and not have too many games canceled for any reason. <laughs> exactly. We, we still have a couple, two weeks from today before the Lions season starts. So we yep. just have to hope that we can have no more hiccups, no more problems, and everything, the season will just go on without a hitch and everything will be normal. That's that's the least we can hope for in 2020. That's right. All right. So looks like that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank everyone for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time.